This is the Sandman Podcast from TV Podcast Industries, and we're discussing the Sandman Chapter 1, Sleep of the Just. We begin. In the waking world. Which humanity insists on calling the real world. As if your dreams have no effect upon the choices you make. You mortals go about your work, your loves, your wars, as if your waking lives are all that matter. But there is another life which awaits you when you close your eyes. And enter my realm. Welcome back, fellow dreamers, to TV Podcast Industries. We're discussing The Sandman Chapter 1, Sleep of the Just, the brand new series on Netflix. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow dreamers. I am one of your other hosts, John. And wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey, I am Chris. <laughs> that does not fit in the Sandman universe, Chris. <laughs> no, wait, you don't know what, it's the endless, you never know. They might like eggs and bacon. You they might. never know. They might. Uh, great to be back with you for another brand new show on TV Podcast Industries. And I'm definitely going to speak for myself on this first and say this is my most anticipated show of this year. I've been waiting for this show to be made um, for many, many years. And finally, getting the opportunity to see Neil Gaiman's Sandman brought to life is just, it's like a dream for me uh, <laughs> to, to kind of tie in with the Sandman, right? <laughs> Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah, absolutely, I guess. puns intended. Always. <laughs> How about yourself, Chris? What's what's overall? Are you excited for to be watching the Sandman? Oh yeah, no. It, and it took me a while to. I, I the Sandman in the comic book format has been one of those kind of like the Tale of Two Cities, where <laughs> you say you've read it for years, like when, even when you haven't. She's like, oh yeah, no, I like Animal Farm. Oh, of course, I've read all. I love that book. <laughs> it's about pigs, and right. Um, but I finally did get around about three, four years ago. Mm, yes, I remember. Um, based on your your insistence, my gushing and, recommendation. Yes, yes, <laughs> and I, I basically devoured it end to end uh, within um, within a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And since then, it has dropped quite high on my kind of um, hype level in mm -hmm. terms of this is going to be cool. I'm ho so hoping, and yeah, it, 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 I'm interested to see. Have they deliver on this? Because this has been one of those projects that has been in production purgatory for a while, if I believe. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a DC property. It's a comic book. And Neil Gaiman has been approached multiple, multiple times to make this into some form of um, of TV or movie or a TV show or movie over the years. And he's so precious about it that he's held it really close to himself that he doesn't want it to be ruined because it was his first big Outing Neil Gaiman is now quite a famous author and has created quite a lot of TV shows and movies. So uh, he's held it really close and wasn't willing to get it released. And I think just happy that it's here. We'll talk about our thoughts of it. John, what's your thoughts on Sandman overall? Well, I'm definitely excited to to see it because I love Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we covered Good Omens as well mm -hmm. on the podcast, right. uh, which was an absolute riot. Loved it. Yeah. Um, so really excited for this. 
I am unlike uh, the both of you. Um, I haven't read the 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 comics. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, uh, because I like Neil Gaiman. You're yeah. an avid fan. Mm-hmm. We have all the books, but I think. Up until recently, I thought the only versions of it that we had were the absolute editions, which I would need literally a lectern to read them on. It's not like something you can read in bed. So I just haven't gone around to it. And I have no idea why, maybe just because I've been reading other stuff, but... Uh, and I, I kind of want to dedicate uh, my time to it, but it, it's one of those that's absolutely in my wheelhouse mm-hmm. around the supernatural yep. and and things like that. So, um, absolutely excited um, for for this show. But I certainly, uh, unlike you two, I don't have the context of the of the comics, but mm-hmm. certainly I am aware. From having flicked through the absolute editions, yeah. that there are certain uh, images from here and um, that are are plucked from the the comic books and, and yeah. the artwork there. So, uh, which is is really cool. I mean, for me, just this first episode, so visually gorgeous, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and uh, I, you know, Tom Tom Sturridge um, just embodies the artwork of morpheus mm-hmm. um uh, really good and plus also i guess it's the body fat ratio i've always been looking for uh <laughs> when i see it i mean i was like going oh my goodness he must be like 0.25 percent it's like just <laughs> muscle uh, and i know it, if it drops below a certain level you probably die because you need the fat but yeah. i mean i was just like he has literally no legs and <laughs> yeah the the body fat ratio i've always d- dreamed of there you go there you go excellent well i'm glad there's something else in there for you as well as the uh the story and the yeah. visuals too i guess he's got neil gaiman abs or dc abs there you go <laughs> or vertigo abs i think it's dc ribs uh that he has. Yeah. <laughs> ribs it is hilarious that you've never read uh, the, the the Sandman because um, <laughs> yeah. just just to say for about four or five years, John's birthday present for me every year was one of the uh, absolute editions of Sandman. That was the big birthday present that I would get every year. So I'd be able to unwrap it and read and read it after my birthday every single year because we have a bit of time off uh, around around that time of the year. So so I spent so much time convincing John that he should read the Sandman that he bought me these amazing editions of the comics that I'd already read so that I. I could read them every year and still didn't jump in and read them myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm finally getting his attempt to at least hear the story of uh, of the Sandman. Yeah, I have no idea why. You know, Marvel 1602 is mm-hmm. one of my favorite Classic. Marvel comics yeah. by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, Good Omens is fabulous, as you said. Good Omens, American Gods, yeah. um, Stardust, you name it. Yeah. I've loved the books. And in the main, I've really enjoyed most of the interpretations mm-hmm. that have come on the big or little screen. Yeah. Yeah. And just quickly for anyone listening going, what is these collected editions? It's essentially these comic books that Derek has are huge leather bound tomes, mm-hmm. hardbacks. Yeah. So they, they are quite big, quite tall and quite hard. And <laughs> very weighty. 
Yes. And very weak. I don't have the the muscle mass <laughs> <laughs> to, to body fat ratio to lift them. There you go. But that's enough of the setup before we get into our discussion of the Sandman. If you haven't heard TV Podcast Industry before, haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe to us by going over to our website at tvpodcastindustry.com. Loads of options there to subscribe to our main feed. Um, we should have this on its own feed on Sandman from TV Podcast Industries, but we are covering tons and tons of other shows uh, all the time. All the best TV shows out there to talk about. We're covering them basically so subscribe to the main feed to get access to all the other shows we cover as well uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the show we've been really lucky thanks to uh thanks to netflix uh, to get access to the sandman ahead of uh, the world premiere on august 5th so we're talking about this before most people have actually seen the episodes so really excited about that to be able to talk about the episodes but we want to hear your thoughts as we go through the season of sandman please email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries i'll have a spoiler post up on the day of release for each of the episodes for you to share your thoughts uh, about the sandman we hope you're going to enjoy uh, watching through the series with us so uh, let's get into our discussion about the sandman chapter one sleep of the just yes yes and just quick note in case you don't this is going to be a spoilerific discussion <laughs> mm-hmm. if you have not watched it and you're just checking us out pause now we'll wait yeah and you go watch it and then come back all right, we're giving you five, four, three, two. Welcome back. We're now going to get into our discussion of the Sandman. And of course, we are just talking about chapter one. All episodes released today on Netflix as you're hearing this. But uh, this is just going to be about the first episode of the show. So, Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what with this episode? Yes, as we've already mentioned many times so far, this is based on the comic books written by Neil Gaiman with art by Sam Keith and Mike Dringenberg, along with many other artists over the over the 75 issues of, of the book. Uh, also to mention uh, the art and the, the cover art for Sandman was done by Dave McKean, who's been brought back to do the closing artwork and the closing credits. If you have the opportunity to watch them, it's a lovely closeout to the episode. Uh, stop that Netflix, go on to next episode so you can watch them. It's really nice that Dave McKean's been brought out of retirement uh, to do this artwork. So, uh, so watch it. Hopefully Netflix will, will set it so you can see more than two seconds of it. <laughs> uh, the executive producers for the show are Alan Heinberg, uh, Neil Gaiman, and David S. Goyer, uh, who also wrote this first episode of the show. Um, We've talked about David S. David Escobar quite a few times and the, the work that he's done uh, throughout DC Comics. He seemed to be the go-to guy to set up uh, the stories for their for their shows and is involved in the creation here of uh, of Sandman. Neil Gaiman heavily involved in this show, um, as it is his comic book. And Alan Heinberg, um, interestingly, is the showrunner for the series. Um, what's interesting is Alan Heinberg is also a comic book creator. And relevant to our interest on TV podcast industries, he was the creator of The Young Avengers. Yep. who we have seen many times in the last couple of years on our Marvel shows. They're yes. starting to seed them into the MCU at the moment. And uh, it's really interesting that he was uh, he was involved in that and is now showrunner for Sandman. Definitely. Who knows? Maybe he's cutting his teeth with the DC property before he comes to the good side, the light <laughs> side of Marvel. Well, but not saying... That anything is wrong with DC or Vertigo. Yeah, yeah. Since we're talking about uh, possibly the greatest comic creation of all time, uh, I'm showing my hand there. Um, I, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't say this is the this is the bad side and Marvel is the good side. <laughs> so he's doing it. He's, he's definitely got a big job ahead of him with this season, with the amount of things that he's going to be talking about uh, throughout, throughout the season. But great to have him on board uh, doing the Sandman. Um, the episode itself was directed by Mike Barker, uh, directed episodes of Outlander and Fargo, but also did 12 episodes of the Handmaid's Tale, uh, one of the most stunning-looking shows out there, uh, even though it's very difficult to watch. 
Oh, yeah. But not like this episode of The Sandman, we should add. Exactly, exactly. John, would you like to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Sandman Chapter 1, Sleep of the Just? Sure. In 1916, in the realm of dreams, Morpheus, the king of dreams and nightmares, learns of the escape nightmare, the Corinthian, and travels to Berlin to confront him and stop his murdering spree. Meanwhile, in Witchcross, England, Roderick Burgess makes a pact with Dr. John Hathaway to capture one of the Endless Death, to compel her to return their lost sons. But the incantation doesn't work as expected, and they trap another of the Endless, Morpheus. Dragged from his confrontation with the Corinthian and trapped, Dream silently vows vengeance on Roderick Burgess. With guidance from the Corinthian who wants to keep Dream trapped, Roderick uses the power of Morpheus's powerful helm, ruby and pouch of sand to make his dreams come true. Over decades, Roderick bargains and rages with Morpheus to bring his son back, failing that to give him power, wealth and immortality. But Morpheus remains silent. Roderick's younger son, Alex Burgess, will do anything to impress his father, including killing the raven guardian of Morpheus, Jessame. This is unforgivable, but still, Morpheus remains silent. As the years pass, the frustration of the Burgess family overflows, and Alex accidentally kills his father. But in the aftermath, Alex finds a new love, Paul, and they spend many more years trying to convince Morpheus to leave without hurting them. But Morpheus remains silent. After a century in captivity and without a word spoken, Paul breaks the incantation which bound Morpheus, and before finally returning to his realm, he punishes Alex, forcing him into eternal sleep. When Morpheus arrives back to the land of dreams, he is met by his faithful librarian Lucienne, who reveals that the realm has changed without the King of Dreams. Most of the dreams and nightmares have left, and the land is in disrepair. But Dream built this place before, and he is resolved to build it once again. Excellent. Good synopsis there, John. Thanks for that. Good to uh, to, put, to lay the story out of what's going on. Lots of things being set up here for, for the show. Uh, we're going to talk about this episode by picking out our top moments uh, from it and having a chat about them. Hopefully we'll cover off everything that happens in this opening episode, the premiere episode of Sandman. Let's start at the beginning. A uh, good way to start uh, with the escape of the Corinthian, uh, one of the uh, scariest creatures uh, within the Sandman universe um, brought to life here by uh, Boyd Holbrook. Um, it, it, he's an interesting character. Uh, an escaped nightmare kind of gives, I think, adds this element of uh, of horror to the show that could be about a man who controls dreams being Morpheus, this person that controls the realm of dreams. Lots of people think of dreams as being this lovely place that you go when you sleep. But instantly they're bringing in this idea of the Corinthian, this nightmare that's escaped to earth. What do you guys think of this, of this character that we see in the opening and, uh, this impetus that makes Morpheus leave his realm, go to earth and, and effectively try and drag this, uh, this nightmare back to his realm. What do you think of that as the opening of the show? Um, I, I, I really like the idea that there is, you know, this creation ultimately from dream, uh, from Morpheus that is the nightmare because he, mm-hmm. he does the nightmares and the dreams does old Morpheus. Mm-hmm. I, and I like the fact that this nightmare has decided that, um, the reality 
is where he can thrive. That he, you know, there is this suggestion that he's accepted more in in reality than in the land of dreams, and mm-hmm. it's kind of it's that opening shot as well. It links to that where um, actually Morpheus is giving the opposite side of that, where we enter into Morpheus's realm, you know, through the big gates and, and we see mm-hmm. the bridge and the palace that he, the king of dreams lives in. Uh, and he, he just talks about, um, you know, humans having this view of the real world and, but how important dreams are to reality because people are dreaming and, yeah. um, and, and bring this into their reality in terms of what they do or how they think about something. And, you know, when the real world is, is found wanting that there is freedom and adventure in the land, um, of dreams and, you know, and, and we see in this realm that there's dragons, unicorns, mm-hmm. and, and we see Pumpkinhead or, or Marv Pumpkinhead, uh-huh. uh, which I thought was a really nice touch. Not necessarily from the comics, but yeah. I do like the horror Pumpkinhead. Um, it's pretty cheesy, but <laughs> I, I just thought of Pumpkinhead the movie. And it's uh, a it's terrible like... horror, but you love it because when a Liverpoolian says Pumpkinhead, <laughs> it makes you laugh. So, it does. Yes. It does. But uh, you know, that's kind of from Halloween anyway. Mm-hmm. That that kind of story. So I loved all that at the beginning and it kind of, it contrasts everything that Morpheus is saying in that introduction as we whiz through his realm uh, to what Corinthian is doing where he feels trapped in that realm Mm -hmm. because his power is unleashed on the real world where people are fearful, afraid, you know, and that's where his power comes from, from the nightmare that mm-hmm. he, he gives. And I, I, just all of that was lovely. And so, it, 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 you know, as we see later through the episode, it, it makes sense that he wants uh, Morpheus locked away. Yeah. You know, he goes to give advice to Roderick Burgess and um, to the, the Order of Ancient Mysteries. So I, I really thought this was great. And, of course... The one thing I, I hadn't really seen this character in when flicking through the comics, but mm. sort of that ending as well, where, you know, he immediately knows when Morpheus is free. You know, mm-hmm. he can feel that the, the, the connection ha- has got to him. You know, he's got to run as he leaves <laughs> the dead body with the eyes taken out and his little sort of teethy eyes sort yep. of there, which could have been more teethy i guess mm-hmm. um but because i wasn't entirely sure that they were teeth until right. you said but i guess it yeah you can kind of see little mouthy teethy mm-hmm. eyes um which would be frightening enough if can you imagine if we had evolved with our mouths uh in our eye sockets anyway yeah you know you could put sort of the the veg in one side and the meat in the other <laughs> and they could merge sort of down the throat <laughs> Anyway, I do digress, do. obviously. But <laughs> wow, yes, you do. <laughs> I really do. Uh, but, <laughs> but well, again, this is the the fantasy dreamlike realm that we're in, aren't we? Uh, the, but I, I, I love. You know, he wants to shape the world like him, mm. um, and he's not going to stop. So, you know, this this kind of this, this tension between the two—one from the dream world in 
terms of Morpheus, yeah. and then yeah. Corinthian, who is living his best life in the real world oh, yeah. uh, as a nightmare. Uh, yeah. I just thought it was really, really good. And I, I just love the delivery of Boyd Hol- Holbrook mm-hmm. and like just that, that Scandinavian hint there mm. in his voice just really added to the character for me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought Corinthians escape was pretty good. Yeah. You know, just at the last moment, he was about to get sort of taken back to the realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those pesky humans, those amateurs, as Morpheus says, um, capture him. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that we see the kind of the sand coming back. Uh, from Morpheus as he's trying to pull, uh, to pull Corinthian back, uh, to the world. But I, I do love that touch. Of course, he is a nightmare. So basically his yep. problem is people wake up and that's the end of the nightmare. And then he has to go and start again and terrorize somebody else in another nightmare where he's kind of going, do you know what's really cool about the, about the, the earth plane? I can go there and people can't wake up. I can just kill anybody I want to. I'm a master there. You know, uh, I kind of like that about the nightmare. Uh, sorry, Chris. What, what did you think of, of the character? I loved the, this interpretation of it. Mm. Like, so just the introduction of setting up the kind of the world that the Lord of dreams is also the Lord of nightmares. Mm-hmm. And what, what the rules are that there are, there's nothing that cannot be done within his realm. Mm-hmm. But if you take a bad thing out, the bad thing can still do those horrible things in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do agree with John very quickly, which is I had to also explain to my partner <laughs> about the Corinthians eyes because she was like, what was that? And I was like, Oh, he's got mouth for eyes. It's yeah. really cool. Like I was expecting a bit more. Shocking on that, like mm-hmm. a zoom in as he put his glasses on. Yeah. Kind of almost like CSI Miami, where it's like, he's going to make a really <laughs> bad pun and go, wow. And he just puts on the glasses. Um, That'd be a very different show, I think. <laughs> it would be really different. But so cool. It'd be the perfect outtake. The pulling Corinthian. Yes, that exactly. Would be really interesting. It's a, literally like something out of a, a book. Mm. Um, uh, there were a couple of other touches as well from Lucian about just around Corinthian, around this idea of a nightmare that's escaped that I think it would be good to kind of quickly mention, which I thought was quite cool. There's a mention in uh, from actually from Morpheus himself in his introduction that he is the Lord of Dreams and Nightmares, and he makes sure that the, that he keeps control of them lest they consume you. So it's not just about keeping control of the horrible nightmares that you have. People can also fall in love with with the dream side of things as well, unless he keeps control of them. There is that side of it with Morpheus. It's not just there are evil things out there. It's also people can fall for the dream and live in the land of dream, which he has to control to make sure that people get out of there and go back to their real worlds as well. Well, well, that's it. It's kind of, you know, it's it's the teacher's assessment of you, you know, He's a dreamer, which means either he's got great ideas or he gets nothing done because yes. he's looking out the window dreaming. Head in the clouds. Um, yeah. he- exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's another really good, uh, kind of idea in, in this. And yeah, just, you know, that idea of the rogue nightmare mm. on the loose exactly. is, is also slightly frightening to me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. but what I do find interesting is that, um, the way I, I know he's killing, uh, the humans, you know, mm-hmm. he's kind of like, why restrict to, um, the sleeping minds when he can do it physically killing humans, yeah. um, yeah. In, in the real world. 
The thing I'm kind of intrigued about is, is he just going around killing people? Because we do see him killing someone in Berlin there mm-hmm. as Morpheus arrives. Or is he doing that because he is so rogue, but he's also creating, still giving people the nightmares, but he can make them thrive even more because he can act it out in in the real world. So people are thinking, well, I dreamt that. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, it it keeps people subdued, frightened, afraid, all that kind of stuff, Mm. you know, because if he just kills people, well, then soon, you know, that that they don't continue to have nightmares because they're dead. Yeah, there is there is power that he's still able to infest people's dreams because people are now having nightmares about real murders they've heard about. He's now creating a legacy and a legend almost around this corinthian that's going around killing yeah. things that's not really in this episode and, and we'll see more of the corinthian i kind of like that they've set this up at the beginning that the corinthian is almost the uh the big bad for this show mm. versus morpheus because he's the one that gives guidance on how to keep morpheus where he is for those hundred years he's the one that morpheus left the dream realm to take back so he's got a, almost a bigger impetus here in the show than he did in the comic books, or at least it's much clearer here, much more streamlined here. But we will see more of the Corinthian and we'll learn more about his motivations and what, what he was doing for those hundred years uh, and what he'll do afterwards uh, as the season goes on. So, um, but, but you're right. That's, that's a really good interpretation that he's, he's there because he lives longer here, which is the point I was going to say about what Lucian had said. Dreams don't survive very long on earth. People see dreams and then it falls apart, but nightmares seem to be able to to travel to Earth and stay alive longer because a nightmare lasts in people's minds much longer than a dream does, is the the idea. Another great uh, concept coming in from, from, uh, from Lucien. So really good. We've talked a lot about Corinthian. He is a small part of the episode, but I think he's important to the show overall. So good to, good to have that chat there. Let's talk about another one of the big moments from the episode. Um, the Order of Ancient Mysteries, uh, led Ooh. by Roderick Burgess. Um, I like this because it, if, if you missed it, it is a joke. It is a joke that these people are an order of people who have set up to do spells but they're not good at it. They're not amazing <laughs> witches and wizards and mages that can do whatever they want to. They're reading, they're amateurs reading spells to try and get what they want, and they don't accomplish it. This isn't an, a really important society. This is one man looking for a way to get his son back from the dead, who reads a passage from a book, thinking he's doing the, thinking he's getting the spell working the way he wants to, and ends off getting a completely different outcome. Yeah which will eventually destroy his family and just eventually destroy his legacy, not for a hundred years, but will eventually destroy everything that he's, that he's built. And he never gets what he wanted in the first place. Yeah. So I kind of like that idea that while it all looks like this big elaborate setup, it's actually not that great an organization at all. Well, it's oh, yeah. even Morpheus's voiceover after he has been trapped within the binding circle mm. is it was a spell cast by an amateur, not knowing the damage, the implications that um, were going to take place, both to his realm or mm-hmm. to 
uh, Roderick's world, and um, because we have all we have the sleepy sickness uh, being shown, where everyone suddenly is either falling asleep uh, and, and kind of wasting away. Yes, people are affected. Uh, yes. Not everyone, definitely. Not there's, everyone. There's a, a line that's drawn there. About a million people around the world yeah. have fallen asleep and haven't woken up, and there's another group of people that will never fall asleep. So those are some of the impacts, but it's not every single person in the world, but there is a, a this big impact of not having dream around is and being felt. And also the people that sleepwalk, the, the three. Yes, yes, the, the yes effects. that was the other thing, yeah. 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 Um, I, I really, really enjoyed this because the first view you get is that old man walking in, turning his head, looking in as and kind of seeing that naked woman kind of praying and chanting in front of an an altar. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's it's supposed to elicit that old nineteen twenties where everyone was a cultish yeah. and they were calling on the witchcraft. And that's what it was. It was that kind of ooh, we're all slightly wacky and weird and oh <laughs> because then you get the later point where they're having the, the rich person party. Yeah. And Burgess is supposed to be a ma- great magician where he is doing spells. When based on what we know, he doesn't have power. He just has the ruby. He has the sand mm-hmm. and the helm. Yeah. And the only thing that we know is that he probably got some form of um, ability to not age as much based on what the, the, the possession of these items. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. E- I- each of the individual tools of Morpheus that they take has its own power and together they're allowing him to live longer than he, he would have been yes yeah and I mean as well I think like Charles Dance uh, oh. as Roderick Burgess or oh. the Magus um, fabulous. is just really good I mean he can just sell sort of pure evil but I mean mm. it, it's more nuanced here because it, it's not you know you, you sense the the you know his compassion even if it may be uh selfish with um the doctor that's arrived mm-hmm. with that maudlin grimoire that he reads to to do the spell yeah. uh to capture death but i mean as you say he's going after death but gets dream you know and he he, he says to doctor the the doctor you know we, we want to compel death to return our lost sons both lost in in world war one mm-hmm. but they couldn't even compel Morpheus to do anything. So can you imagine if they had actually gotten death? I mean, Mm -hmm. it would have been as successful, if not even less so, than what happens here uh, with the imprisonment of Morpheus. So, But I I love just how Charles Dance just sold this really quite selfish, um, powerful man because of his money, Mm -hmm. but coming into into look by just having these things in his possession yeah. and 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 yet you know you even wonder about his son certainly later on um you know because morpheus isn't bringing randall back uh from from the dead mm-hmm. uh, but roderick burgess is saying well if you can't do that well then i want wealth immortality yeah. <laughs> and power yeah. it's like you know grant me these uh if you can't provide my son and i'm like going well you know <laughs> it felt like it it started off with noble intentions to some degree mm-hmm. um, and ended off where he 
you know, his selfishness just came to the top, yeah. even uh, with this idea of trying to bring his son uh, back uh, from the dead after yeah. dying in 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 the war. Yeah. So, and like it started off as a grieving father. That's that's simply it. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't exactly. willing to deal with his grief and had this way he thought to bring back his son. Um, what's also awful is how he treats Alex. Oh, um, the this idea that he's in the room with his living son, going. Well, you're not good enough. I want the one that I already had. I want him back from the dead, basically. Yeah. Uh, and consistently for decades is how yeah. Alex is treated. Yeah. So I'll, I'll bring one of my grievances here, um, which is very quickly. This is, there, there's parts of this story that is just kind of fast forwarded for the sake of the story, the, the, over the episode, I should say, which is, and it, again, we're adapting a medium where they had a lot more potential to talk about this story in the comic books so i understand why they are doing this um but there are bits that we are missing about more about the the the, the librarian who brings the grimoire and that but, but like the story there and more details and just what is the grimoire kind of hopefully they maybe kind of sprinkle this in throughout the rest of the season some of the, the history of where this grimoire came from how it became what it was, so it was able to capture one of the endless. Mm. Um, but at the same time, there's a whole the 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 um, the wife who steals the helm and stuff. Mm-hmm. That shorthand of she came in flirting with the son, ends up with the father, yep. runs married, uh, has potentially gets impregnated, and scarpers with two hundred grand. And the three magical items. Mm-hmm. That's very shorthanded. Yeah. Like, they, there's no, like, there's literally that one felt like there's a missing scene just where, like, in the, where she goes into, I don't know, where you see her enter and then she starts hanging around with the dad, mm-hmm. very much so, versus, I don't know, that one just felt very shorthand where you, you can connect the, the dots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, like, for me, certainly, I think it, it conveyed enough, um, which was, um, that Ethel, the lady, you know, she used Alex to get in, you know, yeah. she helped him, but yeah. ultimately says, well, can you get me in? And then, you know, you see her socializing at the party and then ends up staying there. So obviously, you know, you can infer from that it's, it's, she's you know made her way to a close association with Roderick but it actually the relationship isn't that i think Roderick is um it's a transactional arrangement for him and well, yeah. you know he because as soon you know because she's leaving because of the 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 pregnancy and that he just he wants to terminate it mm. uh, and so you know it, for me it gave enough yeah. I think it for me it gave enough um because it's got the intrigue of well he has a son and that son will be born uh, into uh, the world as uh, as we see when Ethel Cripp's son uh, John and and we have that little moment I kind of like the way that was voiced over by Morpheus where with Alex here where you know there was new love with Alex and the gardener Paul, um, and then there was the new life as 
Ethel Cripps's son is born into mm-hmm. this world. So that that son and, and who it is as we move through time and their involvement be really uh, great to see mm-hmm. um, yeah. for sure. I think as well on the just like for me on the order of the ancient mysteries, just the whole ceremony and the imprisonment of yeah. Morpheus. Uh, I, I just really, really um, enjoyed just yes. that image of him in the binding circle mm-hmm. with his helm on um, a trap there uh, was like a really just great image sort of in yeah. the basement. I yeah. loved, I, I just loved all of that um, as well. And just see, you know, again, to Alex and, and Roderick's relationship, it's kind of Roderick that, kind of goes in to get it and then gets his son because he wonders what might happen. Exactly. You know? You can Um, sacrifice Alex. You go in and get it, son. You know, like, Alex and Roderick's uh, relationship is not great. Um, uh, Alex is the lesser son. That's why he wants Randall back as well. So, again, it's almost as though him wanting Randall back is because you've died and left me with, you know, the, the class D son here. Um, so yeah, I, I but I love the whole imprisonment stuff with the sand swirl going in the binding circle. Um, I just thought that was really good. And just like the, the face on Dr. Hathaway as he, as he sees, um, effectively the maudlin grimoire, working yeah. <laughs> yeah. so let's call it out right now some of these scenes and the most impactful visual stills yeah. or elements are ripped straight from the comic books Absolutely, there are some basically I there was at least three or four elements where like when Dream is on the ground mm-hmm. in his helm and stuff when he floats and disappears Back in his port, like as if I was slapped in the face with the comic book page itself. <laughs> it just, I was like, "Oh my god, I remember that!" Yeah. Because it was impactful back when I first read it, and it was enough so that, like, I was like, "The nostalgia. This isn't nostalgia. This is how I would have viewed it yeah. Yeah. in real life in my head." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. They've taken some of the best moments um visually from the comics that, that they can and translate them so beautifully uh, yeah. to screen i think it's i think it's absolutely beautifully done exactly and Cor- the corinthian as we said you know gives the rules for mm-hmm. keeping him kind of locked away you know don't break the binding circle but no one is to sleep in mm-hmm. in his presence uh, and gives the trench pills to kind of to keep uh, to force uh, the being awake and um also then that you know the his vestments the the helm the pouch of sand and mm-hmm. the ruby absolutely uh, nowhere near him as well mm-hmm. so yeah. really just th- yeah this was just really fantastic imagery i really loved it yeah yeah so should we move on to our our, our third point mm-hmm. uh, let's speak about alex we've just kind of briefly touched on his relationship with his dad but let's discuss yeah. how he moves from the class d son to the 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 foul killing son to the the only son of the family. Well, yes, yeah, <laughs> or absolutely. the only member of the family. Like. Yeah, yeah, and and to Morpheus's actual captor, um, yeah. which is also really important here. You know, Alex, you do feel for the kid uh, throughout the 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 episode. You feel for him and what he's being put through by his father. But Roderick tells him 
once again maybe prove to me that you're as good as uh as my other son if you kill this raven that he's been trying to go after which is one of the other uh pieces that corinthian tells him about he needs to kill this raven who's been watching over as a spy uh is the way that corinthian describes it if you kill jessamy the raven then you'll be my son but when alex actually does do it roderick's been trying to do it for 10 years um alex chases him down he lands inside uh, where dream has been captured and alex shoots him almost breaking the glass and almost releasing morpheus in his father's mind so even when he does exactly what he's asked to do there's still something wrong with it now he has to clean up the dead bird and they get into an argument because alex once again has been mistreated by his father as he has been for these many years and he says that um a really powerful moment he says to roderick while in this argument if randall was brought back he would hate you as much as i do and pushes and kills his father um but then there's the turn that is the moment where alex could become the hero of the story he's taken out the the jailer of morpheus he could he has the opportunity there to release morpheus into the world to apologize take the blame and release morpheus and chooses to think on it and that leads to another 50 years of captivity for morpheus he is now the jailer he's made that decision and all of this done without any input from Morpheus. Morpheus has never said one word to them from the moment they started there. They all just feel the threat of him the whole time he's there. They all feel this guy is going to take us out. Um, and all he wants is the promise from that point onwards. He's not looking for power. He's not looking for his brother back. From that moment onwards, he's just looking to not get killed by Morpheus for what he's done to Jessamy. And still no word from uh, from Dream. And Dream does internal monologue this, which is yeah. he's sitting there waiting. And the, the one of the greatest aspects of this first episode is Dream's internal monologue mm-hmm. yeah. of these actions, these points. And I think we talked about it very quickly off air, just Tom Sturges's voice mm-hmm. that he invokes for this is literally as I expected it in my head. Yeah. Yep, that yep. deep, boundless, endless, deep. Yeah, it's voice. just got that power to it that you you almost feel the years. Like I know you said there was come some bits that they skipped over, but this is the story in the opening episode of Morpheus's hundred years in captivity, and for him, a hundred years is actually a very short amount of time. For the world, he knows the impact is going to be large with him not being around for a hundred years, but that's how time passes for him. And I like that I like that they did that. And everything about the presence of Tom Sturridge in the role makes you feel like he is this this being. He makes you feel yeah. ethereal. It makes you feel like he's something otherworldly in the role. Well that's it. And it's the idea of him, you know, kind of narrating but also responding to what's going on on the other side of his prison, mm-hmm. his glass spherical prison uh, which again the image of that with the light on tom sturgis's you know low body fat ratio body is just <laughs> kind of really really kind of amazing yeah. sort of shot i love as well just the kind of cat eye uh mirror reflection that you get in, in his eyes from some of the 
the the shots. Uh, we certainly see it later, and we'll talk about that uh, after he's escaped and he's dealing out his mm. justice or vengeance to to Alex. But you know, it's when Alex introduces Paul, who who was the gardener, uh, to you know our unwilling guest, as he describes, mm-hmm. uh, and and he's making that. You know, I can let you out if you don't harm us. It's he doesn't want yeah. Morpheus to harm us, and he just doesn't respond. But you have that reply back: is you know, I didn't accept. Maybe I should, uh, but I didn't believe him because mm. of what you see, and all you know, almost tears with the 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 murder of Jessamy, his raven, mm-hmm. by Alex, and that that was kind of the thing because, like you said, you know. This is where he could be the good or or the bad guy uh, in terms of mm. Alex, in terms of releasing Morpheus. But even before that, just before Alex kills Jessamy as well, and um, he he's gone down to to look after him. He's allowed the security guards to to leave because mm-hmm. they're that the next shift hasn't arrived yet, and he just says, you know. I, I would let you go if, if I could. You know, there's that intention. You're kind of there rooting for, um, for Alex. You, you know, as he says, I, I'd let you out, but his father over, overhears him and, you know, are you a traitor? You need to prove yourself, you know, to do that shoot mm-hmm. the, the raven, Jessamy. And then he shoots the raven and you just see, the anger and the the sort of almost tears of of Morpheus yeah. with yeah. the blood splattered over the glass of his prison. Mm. Um so it was it that's the other side of just you know, Alex to me is like there were two moments of, of the turn. It, it's yeah. that bit um and then coupled with him killing uh, or accidentally killing his father um just the, this idea of he knows there could be serious and terrible vengeance sort of on him uh, if he does release him. And that's that's the fear, I guess. And as I say, that's what keeps Morpheus in place for the next 50 years, which kind of brings us on to the next point, the escape of Morpheus, how he gets out. Um, it seems like there's one final attempt from Alex to ask uh, for Morpheus to confirm that neither of them will be harmed. Uh, one last opportunity, one last moment. Um, and then he's going to walk away and leave Morpheus trapped in the basement for eternity, effectively, unless the house falls down. Um, but Paul makes a decision, it seems, to go, yeah. I'm going to break this bond, which yeah. is why he's not harmed. He's not hurt, even though he is also a partner in this in this jail uh, system, I suppose, for the last, uh, whatever it is, 50 years or so. Um, He looks like he makes that decision to break open. And we get a fabulous scene of Morpheus's breakout showing the power of, uh, of dream in a room where people are. Um, I love this. I love the way that he invades um, the waking dream of one of the guards who's talking about the, uh, his, dream of going away on holiday in a week's time. He can't wait to get there. And suddenly he's there in his mind. Morpheus has invaded him so that he can take control of him, use his gun to smash the glass and free himself. I think that's just such a cool idea. It's not just about people who are asleep in the room. He is the master of dreams and nightmares, whether you're asleep or not. 
that's yep. that's his realm that you're in. So uh, that, I think that I thought that was a really good representation of the power that he can have. And we see a little nod, one of the first nods we've seen that he can shape shift. He can change his shape um, because he does turn into a cat, leading um, Alex to yep. in his dreams to uh, to where Morpheus is. That's a little nod, and as you mentioned, the cat eyes are there when Morpheus is sitting waiting for Alex. You see, uh, his eyes have changed as well, which is uh, which is also quite cool. But these are all elements that we'll see lots more of as the season goes on. But I love just having them here in this big moment as Morpheus breaks out of his prison. Yeah, no, like and it, it was, it was beautifully done, and I, I, I in that visually stunning. Like, yeah. see, seeing the waking world become the dream, become mm-hmm. the nightmare, and melt back to the waking world, and not yeah. even melt, shock melt back to yeah. the waking world as you see the guard shooting the the glass, and you just see, and again, I'll call out Tom on this. Just his eyes, there was like, the the actor was able to portray Glee, mm. like malice and Glee at the same time <laughs> yeah. in his eyes, because you just yeah. see like the grin of that, keep going, I'm yes. nearly out, keep going, it's nearly mm. done. And it's an interesting choice, we probably should talk about it here a little bit from comic book fans, because... When you get a close-up of Dream's eyes in the comic books, it's a galaxy that you see in his eyes. That's what yeah. his his eyes are, an entire galaxy of stars. Um, apparently, they tried to do that in the show. They tried to do everything they could, uh, blue contacts in them that could be CGI replaced with a galaxy every time you're close to it. But they made the choice to have Morpheus have eyes that look normal, like normal eyes, and then to change them in different circumstances. Like for example, the cat eyes. There are moments where you see stars occasionally in them when he's uh, when he's lying um, at the bottom of his prison. You see a star in his eyes. It's a much better choice for ha- having an actor for well, for me anyway. Having an actor like Tom Sturge in this role and who is able to act really well and doesn't have a lot of dialogue in the show, speaking to people. I think not having the distraction of CGI eyes uh, or whatever other method they would have used, I think was the right decision. Um, It does go against what some comic book fans may have wanted, but I think it works really well on screen. And again, quickly, it's an adaptation. This is not a one-for-one replica. This is an adaptation. I think they tried. They Mm -hmm. said, look, it just doesn't work. And I think you are right. If you're going to have literally the, the expanse and eternity of a galaxy in someone's eyes. Mm. That is going to always draw the attention. Yeah. Because it yeah. is swirling. Well, <laughs> the way it's described in the comic books is swirling galaxies uh, and the universes in his eyes, if I remember. And it's like, so like it was moving. Mm. So you would have had this consistently moving yeah. endless galaxy, which, and you're like, okay, I'm trying to look at his nose because <laughs> I don't want to keep going up to his eyes. And hey, in the comic books, it's 2D, so you'd never even have the yeah. swirling of them. You'd just have that in the description. So is his eyes always galaxies in, in the comic? So here they've just decided to to keep regular human eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, mostly it's been from a distance where you've yeah. got the, the twinkle anyway. So mm-hmm. it can still be galaxies. It's just with the black cat, again, another important Neil Gaiman motif mm-hmm. um, that... Uh, it, it it looked like cat's eyes to yeah, me. So, it did, yeah. uh, but I I mean I think what Chris said in terms of this escape, I just loved the whole sequence mm-hmm. of, of how it 
ran between being in reality and into the dream and the invasion of it, uh, then the dream and back to reality. But also, you know, I, I love just that the dream was to Mallorca and uh -huh. he grabs the hand of, of sand um, in, in the dream, which then he uses to effectively take both of the security guards uh, out where uh, by putting them to sleep with the classic Sandman, I guess, mm -hmm. in terms of sending them off to um sort of Never Neverland, really. Yes. I, I also just like the general, you know, there are some really a few touches of that comedy that we saw in Good Omens as well. So I loved just the security guards chit chat where the one of them thinks that They've got Dracula effectively yeah. in there. And I just, that kind of sensibility, I really, really enjoyed uh, in here. That there's the, you know, this is really quite a, a, a serious series. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and, you know, there's some pretty, um, large concepts around all of this. But I do like that occasionally, uh, Neil Gaiman and the writers, you know, they have that, little bit of um downtime and, and go to the you know the the chit chat around whether he's dracula or not yes um which i thought was really so good ernie and fred and what i like even more about it john is that it's they think they have a dracula you know the the draculas that go around and suck people's blood the draculas yeah yeah so not a vampire a dracula um, yeah. <laughs> i thought that was really good we'll, we'll uh, definitely yes. get more of that that that's well again i assume i'm assuming they'll sprinkle in a lot more of that writing There'll yeah, be there'll be some yes yes um, yeah yeah and I guess uh, Paul inherited the manor of uh, of Forney Rig yes. so well done Paul smart move I guess yeah or did he <laughs> or did Ethel potentially uh, get no, no. get it no. uh, somehow they, they weren't married I don't think that, that's true actually didn't Roderick uh, specifically call her the woman I lived with, that lives in my house was yes. actually yes. Uh, <laughs> he described this woman that uh, clearly had been there for quite a long time and they had a relationship please, so. please shoot me if I ever call my wife that because she'll probably have killed me if she first. probably will yeah. have killed you Chris yes yeah. yes I can't yeah. imagine yeah. We, she wouldn't have yeah we we would be too late I think yes, yes. <laughs> but as Morpheus has escaped it kind of sets up the rest of the series and the the, uh, the what's going to go on in the rest of the show. It takes us to our, our final point, his new mission. Um, after taking his vengeance on Alex and putting him into that eternal sleep, he goes back to his realm, goes back to uh, the realm of the dreaming and finds out from Lucien that almost all of the dreams and nightmares have left his realm in that hundred years, um, which sets up what he needs to do. He's built this place before many, many uh, millennia beforehand, but he's built it before. He's he's created everything there. He needs to reclaim the dreams and nightmares, restore his realm of the dreams, and he also has a mission to get back his tools. That's the thing he needs in order to to reestablish his realm. He needs to go and get his helm, his ruby, and his uh, and his pouch of sand. So, um, I think that's a really good way of closing out the yeah. first episode because. You now know your mission. You now know what he needs to do. And you've, it's all been established where you're going into the season going, ah, okay, right. So it's a big story that we're learning all about this world of the endless and this universe that we're seeing for the first time. But by the end of the episode, okay, well, what he, what he really needs to do is get these three things. Those are his missions. And then he also needs to restore the realm, right? Yeah. Like, I, th I think so. I think the other really interesting thing here is one you know lucian is that 
loyal librarian mm-hmm. uh, and um for want of a better word sidekick in in that sense yeah. um but also you know it's interesting when she says you know some of um your subjects the dreams and nightmares they went looking for you mm. and then others just left because it's not unlike uh one of the endless to just up and leave which though was a real striking comment from her um you know so i'm kind of intrigued as to what or if that has any kind of meaning for for the series because as well you know w- what does that mean? Is it relevant? How relevant? But just because we have at least some of the the family of the Endless that is mentioned in this, like Destiny and Despair. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, uh, which is, um, you know, what happened to one of the Endless ones, I guess. Yes. Now, I'm going to say, when I read this book originally, originally came out in 1989. I started reading it about 93, so while the series was still ongoing. So I was reading it month to month. And I loved this mystery pre-internet. <laughs> the idea of going month to month and trying to guess who the Endless are, because they are aspects of of the world, effectively, or, the, or of human existence, let's say. So you know dream, that's who you're introduced to. You know death, and that's pretty easy to get the idea of this person that is death kind of get destiny you kind of understand that and then there's others that are introduced but it's really clear here in the show and i'm not going to do it you can google it really quickly if you want to i'm definitely not going to do this because it's really clear in the show they don't want to tell you the name of every member of the endless and there is a reason for that they're not telling you every member they're telling you some of them they'll be revealed as the show goes on they'll be shown to you as to who they are with their own peculiarities and their own connections to dream that's how they'll be shown in the show that's how they were shown in the comic book and it makes that little mystery of hang on a second one of them disappeared Ooh, what endless what aspect of humanity disappeared from the endless what is that it was so much fun to try and work out how it was and it wasn't as far as I remember, it took a couple of years before yeah. we found the answer out to who that was that had disappeared. So um, it'll be mentioned again. It was a great, a great moment in there for Lucien to mention it, that that's part of the reason why the subjects of Dream kind of walked away because they were like, well, one of the endless did it before. Maybe Dream's decided to give up his job and, and disappear to the, to, to the other plane effectively. So a uh, so little touch there for something else coming up in the future. And maybe they do, maybe they don't, because I remember there was a big... We big scene in the comic books they were like oh my god we're gonna find out they're gonna name it and it's like we won't the person we will not discuss essentially <laughs> was the scene and you're like no yep. uh, that that line is coming up later in this yes. season chris um, yes. um i'm certainly not gonna hide that i have watched more episodes than this one episode but uh, as i've read the story uh, so so many times i thought i was allowed to go ahead and uh, i definitely wouldn't be spoiling anything uh, for the future episodes because they're yes do quite, not worry quite close i have not to the story, i have so. not I'm I'm staying safe, and right. staying virginal. Well, I don't think there's spoilers when you've read the books. Um, you're able to keep the separation. I think. Yes, um, I think that's. But I'll ju- just quickly jump in my kind of end thoughts on the, setting it up. I, mm-hmm. I I did enjoy this. They they did for a new reader or a new watcher. Go. All right, we've given you all the main pieces. Here's the chessboard. This is our. our this is the storyline. It's basically. They they did the Lord of the Rings on it, which is all right. You need to here's all your characters. Here's your uh, here's the rings. 
you're going to Mordor. <laughs> Off we go. Yeah. And then you're gonna we're gonna spend at least like two films more getting there. But you you get the general gist within this first hour. Um, it's not like we can just jump on the giant eagles straight away and get to the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's a con- that's a conversation and discussion for a completely different podcast in the future. It certainly is. It certainly is. Yes, they've set it up. He has to get his tools back, and then he can recreate his realm, and then he can go on to whatever his future yeah. may be. Yeah, and yeah. to reclaim the dreams and the mm. nightmares yeah. as well. So the yeah. tools are essential yeah. as well. It's yeah. not. As such a series of getting his tools back. Exactly. Um, uh, so I think that's kind of an important point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. all the while, Corinthian roams, uh, roams free. Earth. Free. Uh, yeah. Roams free. Yeah. And he is he the only nightmare? Is he the worst nightmare? Exactly. Exactly. And that's something else we'll find out as the series goes on. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, those are the top moments uh, from the episode. Any particular notes, anything else you wanted to talk about uh, from the episode at all? Not from this episode, but just one point I want to call out now, which I should have done earlier, but I'm of the opinion, I watched one trailer back in the day, and there's been a load of marketing since, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm expecting on day of release there will be even more marketing. Yeah. The one thing I will say, don't go, don't watch it. Like, give yourself, this is kind of almost like you're watching Game of Thrones a year down the line, <laughs> or two years down the line, when there's already been season one and two. Yeah. Don't watch a lot of them and read them. Don't, don't, go, don't, don't Google, don't, like, read spoiler posts. Agreed. Like, this is one I would strongly suggest, like, going for the journey. Yeah, Netflix most certainly aren't Christopher Nolan. They're, they're, they, they don't hold back on no. some mm-hmm. of... Even if it's just the you know a flash of juicy vid- visual, uh, yeah. to be honest. But I, I know you know after that first episode where there was the advert for the season, and I was like, okay, there's probably some shots they shouldn't have yeah. included there. But yeah. I I get as well. You know you have to you know market it. Yeah, market it and 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 yeah. pull people in. Particularly if you're um, dumping everything on one day and you're on your service. yeah exactly yeah. yeah. I think that that's why you've already now seen probably some trailer initially or a Netflix pre-roll and the trailer at the end of this this first episode. That's enough. I think anything more you are kind of getting into losing some of that shock and all potential. Um, And it's not not to go, don't don't be a spoiler. It's more for yourself to to enjoy the journey, the 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 digestion of what this yeah. can be. Because I do mean, and it's, this is not Derek waxing lyrical about the Sandman, which we can literally wind him up later, and mm-hmm. he'll do for an hour. I certainly will. Um, this is me saying, like, this is one of the best narratives mm. in yeah. any medium that I've ever read, watched, played, yeah. consumed. Um. And I think there are some elements and some, I'm assuming if they do it justice, there are going to be some episodes where you're like, this is some of the best narrative discussions, storytelling. Yeah. What, yeah. as long as they do it justice. I, I think, um, I, I think for me, you know, one of the masterful things that Neil Gaiman does as a writer in whatever medium he's done is, you know, his, underlying concept that he does 
uh, and then just sort of, you know, twists and turns or flips it on, on its head, you know. So it's like putting Marvel characters in 1602 Elizabethan England. Mm-hmm. It's like, and, and that world, um, it, it's, you know, the, it's the concept of American gods where it's the ancient gods mm-hmm. of those who, uh, emigrated to North America with the, the new gods that have been established, uh, on that continent, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or it's even just the flip of the Snow White uh, yeah. and the Seven Dwarfs tale, you know, who is the evil one here? Is it always, the, is always. it the evil witch? Is it actually Snow White? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's all these different ways. And here, it, it you know, ultimately this is um, a journey of the King of Dreams um, finding out more about himself than his kingly ways uh, mm-hmm. in that realm. Um, it, it's a god becoming um, closer to the mortal, I guess. Yeah. 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 And I suppose the good thing is for all of our wonderful fellow dreamers, all 10 episodes are available on Netflix. So if you even pause the episode to listen to our podcast, thank you very much. Um, if you're following along in that way, if you're listening, if you're watching an episode, listen to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for that way. But, um, but yeah, some of the images that are out there in marketing and some of the, uh, some of the trailers that have been put out now ahead of time, um, do feel like they're picking some great moments that would work so much better in context and, yeah. uh, and spoil things that they'll actually, uh, you wouldn't get more enjoyment out of if you're watching the episode. So continue to watch Sandman as the episodes are all available for you. And thanks so much for joining us for our discussion about uh, about Sandman Chapter 1, Sleep of the Just. Uh, hopefully you'll also share with us your thoughts about the episodes for the season. Please email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com with any thoughts uh, on the episodes. Overall, John, what did you think of the Sandman Chapter 1, Sleep of the Just? Uh, I, I really thought this was a great introduction uh, really visual really stunning it feels quite contained it's very much the story of his capture and mm-hmm. um, so you don't as such see much of morpheus here but it's establishing his motivations as to why he's come to the real world it's establishing the corinthian a whole rake of different uh People like Ethel Cripps, like her son John, uh, and how they may play a part in in, in the future. And um, I, you know, would give this four and a half uh, munching mouthy eyes out of five. <laughs> munch, stuff. munch. Yeah, I just that was re- just really good introduction. And um, I just loved the style, at least from this episode of of Morpheus and what Tom Sturridge did there without really saying anything other than in narrative form mm-hmm. and voiceover form. The motivations of the Corinthian and just the the people of Forney Rig um, and their motivations from Roderick Burgess to his his you know lesser son Alex uh, and uh, to and with Paul uh, and how that all uh, transpires. So I, I really really enjoyed um, uh, this 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 opener for me. Uh, also, just uh, didn't mention it, but just you know a shout out to Jessamy, uh, the good Raven that mm-hmm. that she was, um, because I, I did like how she got into the house, set the fire uh, to get down to him, and just having that moment where uh, Morpheus, you know thought he was 
probably going to escape in that mm-hmm. moment uh, for that to be sort of shotgunned uh, into smithereens by by Alex. Yeah. You know, but even just within this, this this first episode, you know, Alex kind of just many different motivations happening there. Roderick the same, and all the while Morpheus sort of stoically silent in his his spherical prison. Mm. Uh, I just thought was was really really good. So I I can't wait now to see um the the next few episodes as he goes hunting for his tools. Mm-hmm. And I mean that visual of his helm as well just really fantastic. Very cool, isn't it? Very cool. So yeah, four and a half munching mouthy eyes out of five for me. I thought this was really good uh opener and introduction to the Sandman. Certainly um, as someone who hasn't read the comics. I've certainly seen the visuals. Excellent. That, and that's really good to hear because this is notoriously the most difficult part of Sandman to get through. Um, this is the one that a lot of fans actually say, skip it, move on to the next book, these first six issues, uh, which is pretty much what's told in this first episode. Skip it, move on to the rest of the book. And once you're into Sandman, come back and read this. <laughs> that's kind of the direction I've seen from lots and lots of Sandman fans because it's so different from everything else. Morpheus is trapped. It isn't talking. He isn't using his powers for most of the episode. This is the story of the Burgess family and what's going on for the century they have Morpheus trapped. That's the only story. They're all gone now. Yeah. He's now in present day. He's now got a mission to go and get his uh, get his tools back. And he's got this mission to bring back his realm. That's what's going on with Morpheus. And that's the story we're going to be following throughout this season. We're not really going to be following the, the Burgesses. But what they did to him has repercussions, of course, for him and who he is as a character. So it's important, but it's the one a lot of people go, just skip it and come back and read it later like it's a prequel. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, just on mentioning of the visuals, the moment where he goes into the light mm-hmm. as well after he's escaped, I mean, that was stunning. And I've seen that, you know, it's lifted off the yes. the page. And yes. uh, that was just stunning. There were a number of Morpheus visuals that were, quite frankly... Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful show. They've done such a great job, and it feels epic. It feels like they're pull, they're pouring in the money to it, like um, they have for Lord of the Rings and for uh, for the other shows that uh, that of that scale. Yeah, and it's uh, it's great that they're good job, Warner Brothers. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll quick. I, there's not much more I can add to to, to this from my side. Like, this is something. Um, I think this first episode. I'm going to try. Um, my wife on the second episode, she wasn't, <laughs> she 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 wasn't too hot on this this episode, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be a bit like it's going to be one of these shows like get past the first one into the second. If you can get past and you enjoy, there's something. If there's small threads, right. for most of us, I think we find this. If we're into this type of thing, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be good. But again, it's just it's the similar thing. It's like the the comic books. So overall, absolutely loved it. I can't wait to slowly dissect each of these episodes mm-hmm. uh, and see where they bring my tagline in when they zig, when they zagged in the comic books, <laughs> what little changes they've made mm. and how the, cause again, adaptation, not direct replication. And I love yes. that because it's, he was involved. So for anyone screams bloody murder and foul, the creator mm-hmm. of this, the writer of this. Yeah is the one who helped bring this to screen. And that's why it's taken so long. So 
any changes that they made come with his both blessing and he probably made that change yeah. and agreed to it. So it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how they do that and what they do with it. Uh, certainly one of the things that's very clear from Neil Gaiman is they didn't make changes to make changes. That's mm. absolutely not what they did. They made changes because it made sense. Um, yeah. the, the book was written in 1989. There's you know, 30 years since then. There's a, there's a lot of things that have changed in the world that make sense to change and expand uh, in this world. Those are the changes. I'll be, I, I'm not going to spoil anything for the rest of the season. I've watched about six episodes now uh, of the show and it's really does cleave very closely to its origin. It's, 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 nice. it, they, they are keeping absolutely in concept and in, and in, uh, and the ideas that were there and present within the comic books. There's not much that's changed that really has rattled me or gone, Oh, wow. Why did they do that? It's not, it, there's none of that that I've encountered. I've had tears. I've laughed. I've, uh, there's some very, great horror in the show uh, to watch as as we get through the season so um definitely one to keep watching i really can't wait to discuss episode two next time fantastic well ladies and gentlemen boys and girls dreamers and dream alikes don't forget you can send us your thoughts uh what you thought as you've watched us we'll read them out in some future episodes as we kind of record them uh you can head on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash TV podcast industries. And you can, there's a spoiler post for each and every episode and you can put your thoughts in for each and every episode in there and we'll read them out on the show. You can email us at two feedback at TV podcast industries and just put which episode you want to talk about in the subject and we'll mm-hmm. read it out there. You can also leave us a voicemail over on the website. Uh, basically go to TV podcast industries.com and leave a voicemail there. And you will hear your dulcet tone beside ours on this very podcast. <laughs> very good. Yes. Hoping to hear from you uh, throughout the season. We're hoping to cover two episodes a week um, as we go throughout the rest of the season for Sandman. Um, so just watch the episodes, send us your thoughts, and uh, come chat with us and join us for the journey through the realm of the dreaming. Fantastic. Well, if you like what you hear, don't forget you can support us. If you're joining us for the first time, you can support us by heading on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast injuries, where for a monthly amount, you can cover us and help keep the engines going. And these dulcet tones ringing in your ears in a very bad English accent. Is that an English accent? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, that was your normal voice. Ooh, there you go. Ooh la la. <laughs> you thought that was his normal voice? <laughs> okay, ears and voices are failing, it seems. It uh, seems guys, so. What's going on? <laughs> you can also support us for a one-off amount by going over to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, where you can help and essentially buy Derek a coffee mm-hmm. uh, and just keeps him going into the wee hours of the night as he edits away as the podcast producer, editor, supreme. <laughs> yes, at the moment we're covering Sandman. We're uh, almost uh, towards the end of Umbrella Academy Season 3 as well. We'll be covering uh, She-Hulk Attorney at Law next month uh, during August while we're doing Sandman. Lots and lots of stuff that we're covering uh, during the summertime in, uh, in uh, our TV podcast industry. So we hope you join us for all that over on tvpodcastindustry.com. Sure, it's an Irish summer. It's raining outside. What well, else would exactly. we be doing with inside and podcasting? <laughs> you know, I always end off editing on days that it's sunny, Chris. I know, it's true. But the, the, <laughs> well, that's it's how, about that's to get eat. down to 12 degrees. Nice, nice. Yes. This is where I get my pallid complexion that makes me, me look like <laughs> well. Um Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll speak to you again soon.
Yes, we'll be back with our discussion of the second episode of The Sandman in Perfect Hosts. But as always, fellow dreamers, uh, it is great entering into this new realm of podcast with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure chit-chatting about everything with you. So great to kick off with the first episode of The Sandman. And of course, remember, keep watching, keep listening, and of course, keep dreaming, fellow dreamers. Bye. Bye. Bye.